Welcome to the Brownstoner podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schneps, publisher of Brownstoner. My guest today is Morris Batash, Senior Managing Director for Capital Services with Meridian Capital. Welcome, Morris. Hey, how's it going, John? It's Josh. going great. Good to have you here. So, Morris, you help Meridian arrange custom financing for some of the most complex and ambitious commercial real estate projects in New York City and nationally. Examples could include construction loans for new developments or financing for rent-regulated multifamily buildings, among others. So could you give us a brief snapshot and sentence or two of the current climate and status of financing for commercial real estate in New York City right now? Sure. I think it's a tale of two different types of assets, COVID-impacted assets and non-COVID-impacted assets. And there's a lot of capital chasing non-COVID impacted assets. So for instance, multifamily apartment buildings that have had strong collections can get financed with very, very attractive rates as opposed to hospitality and retail assets, which are very, very difficult to finance right now. And really only opportunistic lenders out there charging very high rates and, uh, and aggressive terms for clients. So um, it's really, there's a, there's a very big separation in the market between the haves and the have-nots in terms of asset classes and a, a, a wide disparity of the types of terms that you can get. So, I mean, obviously you just walked us through how some of the financing in New York City has changed over the last six months, given the economy and COVID, but what should potential clients be aware of beyond that? Sure. So every day the market is changing. And what we've seen is since May, there's been a sort of grinding improvement in the financing markets. It went to a total freeze in late March and April. Then they started to open up and more and more providers are, are dipping their toe in the water. And so every you know week, we're updating our knowledge about what's going on in the market. That being said, I think what it comes down to in terms of whether or not you're going to get attractive terms is really what are your collections look like, whether that's a retail asset or a multifamily asset mm -hmm. or, or an office building, the first question lenders are asking is, show me the last six months of collections. And that's going to determine what your outcome looks like. I guess that makes a lot of sense. You know, as the markets begin to open up, um, and as you were stating, is it easy or difficult for investors and developers to arrange financing for projects? I'd say it's easy if you're starting with today's assumptions. If you're working with legacy assumptions, it's challenging. So we're working on a new acquisition of a multifamily apartment building in downtown Manhattan. And this is one of the first large-scale acquisitions I've seen post-COVID where the price was negotiated based on current market environments and the terms of the contract were adjusted. That being the case, we're actually seeing lots and lots and lots of lender interest in this deal because they understand that the price is a reset price, that there's fresh capital coming in, sort of, you know, fresh equity coming in based on today's assumptions, and lenders are willing to back that up. And this is a, this is a property that was impacted by COVID. It's, you know, 50% vacant, a, a property that has historically been 97% occupied. Wow. And just given that lenders understand that the basis and the price that was negotiated is a new market reality price and that there is new fresh equity going in today, they're willing to back that up. 
there are a lot of projects out there, whether they be development projects or refinances, are you know land that was bought 12 months ago, land that was bought 18 months ago, where plans are just getting approved, and clients are coming to the market now looking for construction financing. The biggest challenge they have is their budgets are based on old market realities. Their leverage expectation is based on old market realities. If clients are flexible and willing to acknowledge today's market, then financing is available. And it's tough to match today's market with yesterday's acquisitions, but if folks are flexible and realistic, they can get their deals done. A 65% construction loan, maybe a 55% construction loan today. And if developers are, are realistic, they can get their deals closed. But th there is friction there, as opposed to someone who's coming in today with a new price, a new basis, and people are going to back them up. So I think that's really the biggest challenge is all of the folks who were caught when the music stopped, dancing to an old dance, as opposed to people who are just showing up to the game today. Mm -hmm. That's where the friction is. What about the expense of funding? Is funding relatively expensive or inexpensive at the moment? Again, that really depends. So for instance, on a multifamily apartment building, a permanent financing is as cheap as it's ever been. So you can get 10-year fixed rates at 2.75%, right? I would say pre-COVID, that was getting done at 3.25% or 3.5%. So cheaper wow. than it was beforehand because treasury rates have come down so much. However, there's a very narrow box of assets that, that fit in that criteria, right? If you're outside of that criteria, then there's not a lot of liquidity in the market and financing costs have expanded. So on construction, I would say financing costs have gone up. Leverage has come down. On condo inventory, rates have gone up hospitality, obviously rates have gone up. Um, so we're seeing, you know, hotel properties where one could have got a 10 year fixed rate at, you know, 375 or 4% to get done with bridge loans. Um, just given the volatility of what's going on with hotels right now. And these bridge loans are priced anywhere from seven to 9% with conservative leverage. So it just, it really, again, it just comes down to, are you in the box of, you know, non-COVID impacted real estate, or are you outside? If you're in the box, you're going to get the best financing you've ever seen. If you're out of the box, it's a very difficult time. What about geography in the New York City market, such as a project being in Queens or, or Manhattan? Does that have any effect on financing? And are there any special financing quirks in Queens versus Brooklyn or other boroughs that potential clients should yeah. be aware of? That's, that's a great question. I, I don't know if it's a specific financing quirk, but again, what we've seen is that Manhattan has been impacted more so than Queens and Brooklyn from this COVID exodus, yep. right? Um, and it probably just because the nature of the Manhattan tenant is more of a, a young professional working in the city, walking to work, um, who's there and paying a premium specifically because of its proximity to his office location. If you don't need to be in the office, you don't need to be cooped up in your studio apartment and paying a high rent. So you escape back to your parents' home in Westchester or Connecticut or wherever. In the boroughs, there's more long-term 
And I'm speaking exclusively about fair market housing. Obviously, rent-regulated housing is an asset class of its own. Mm-hmm. But with respect to fair market housing, Queens and Brooklyn have less transient tenant bases. You go to a market like Midwood, Brooklyn, tenants are there for other reasons than just proximity to work. You go into an area like Flushing, Queens, tenants are there not because it's close to Manhattan. They're there because they have a community there. They have roots there. They have you know history there, relatives there. So there are more sort of steady neighborhoods in the boroughs than there are in the you know, high rent districts of Manhattan, which I guess are more transient. And so we've seen less of an impact on collections and vacancy in those areas, which is why owners in those areas are better positioned to take advantage of of the attractive financing available now, as opposed to in Manhattan specifically. Interesting. You know, that's a good uh, insight and it makes a lot of sense when you when you explain it. Talking about Meridian, can you tell us a little bit how Meridian's ability to customize financing options particularly for very complex project projects has helped you um, with your clients in recent months? Sure. So um, I like to say what sets us apart is knowledge and relationships. And I have, we've been telling that to people for years, but I've seen it come into play since March in a way that I never expected, obviously. Market knowledge is very important. At the beginning of this crisis, understanding how lenders were reacting. As soon as like on March 12th or so, when everybody went into hiding, for us, having knowledge as to who's picking up the phone, who's still in business, who's out of business, how are these lenders treating your deals in process, right? We have, at that point in time, we had dozens and dozens and dozens of transactions that were set to close, which were all up in the air. Some lenders, we weren't sure if they would survive or if they were going to be in business. And so just having that knowledge to educate clients, inform clients, and understand how we should handle things was super, super important. As time went on, that knowledge has gone from finding out how people are dealing with the crisis to at this point in time, knowing how the market is improving. So we were in the market with a bridge loan in January for a deal that was a a multifamily apartment that had just come out of construction that was going through lease up. At that point in time, our best offer on the bridge loan was a four and a quarter rate. And this was a three-year floating rate loan, which was 275 over LIBOR with a one and a half percent LIBOR floor at that time. Once March and April hit, it became clear that that sort of financing was just unavailable. And then once May and June came around, things were starting to thaw. And we took the deal back to market and we started to get offers in and pricing was coming in around five and a half percent. People being, you know, a little bit more opportunistic on price. The first bridge lenders who entered the market were opportunistic. But once we got into late August, a lot more lenders sort of entered the space. It became clear they were all chasing very few types of transitional assets. And ultimately we closed that loan at a three ninety five all in rate. Wow. Right. So just being able to track that entire process along the way and being on the cutting edge of information enabled us to really help our clients. The second piece is relationships, which I mentioned. Relationships are twofold. Number one, relationships drive knowledge, right? Getting, understanding who's doing what, them being open with you. Relationships are important also when it's May, everybody's working remotely and banks are working at 30% capacity just because they're working from home and they just can't handle a large bandwidth of volume. We're able to get priority. Who is, who is that lender going to call back first? 
they've gotten 20 deal submissions. Half of it doesn't make sense because it's May, it's not February anymore. And then they're choosing to work on three of those deals. Which three are they going to work on? Right. And our relationship enables us to make sure that our clients' deals get priority. The other important thing is when you have deals that are under a term sheet waiting to close and the world ends, like it did, at least for financing purposes, what are they going to honor? Right. Not everything can be honored. Some stuff just doesn't make sense. But I can tell you, I closed a hotel loan in Miami for a client with a bank in April. We closed a land loan in April for a client. These are all deals that got signed up in January and February. And we closed a lot of loans that just were based on our relationships with the banks and our clients' relationship with the banks, but us utilizing it. So I think that, um, and, th- and then the third part is relationship. Like I mentioned, relationship drives knowledge, which is us knowing that we can get a 395 rate on a bridge loan faster than our competition, right? So all of that is important. And I think that's what has helped us really navigate this process a little bit better, um, or I'd like to think a little bit better than some of our peers. But I can tell you as a broker, I have found it to be very helpful and it's been a very, very difficult time. Obviously, there's all the personal reasons, but from a business perspective, it's one of the most challenging business environments that I've ever experienced. But being at Meridian, being able to put our heads down, constantly focus, constantly stick with our clients, stick with our deals, inform them. We've been on the cutting edge of this information and it really has helped us get through it. So we seem to be, I won't say coming out of it, but what I will say is that we're at a point in the market where everybody understands what the new market norms are Mm -hmm. and that friction between what people were expecting they were going to get versus what is available in the market has mostly gone away. Everyone is now sort of up to speed on the new market realities. And when a client calls us about getting a hospitality refinance done and we give them the market feedback, there's no more sticker shock. They understand why that's the case. Getting from from point A to today has been very challenging, but I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there in the market. If anything, our clients need our advice now more than ever. And uh, we're here, we're in the office at full capacity, and honestly, our pipeline is bigger than it's ever been. Well, all great points. And I, you know, I agree relationships are the foundation of all business. And you just build off of that. Pretty good example of what you showed uh, you can do in terms of terms, even at this point in time. I guess that that's a good segue to my next question, which is, are there any new financing options, sources or products available right now that uh, clients should be aware of? So I think, um, I think the, the two key takeaways are bridge financing for value-add multifamily assets is available and has tightened up considerably. And that's primarily because the next product, which is agency financing, is so aggressive. So most value-add multifamily loans are done with the assumption that they will be taken out by agency financing. And because agency is so aggressive, people are willing to lend into that risk. So that market has improved considerably. That's similar to the example I referenced earlier where we had a four and a quarter rate in January and we closed at a 395. That is that kind of product. So I would say that multifamily value-add loans are getting done at terms that are super aggressive relative to what is being done on other value-add asset classes. And then I would say that agency financing right now is as aggressive as it's ever been. And clients need to understand that agency is not a single product. With an agency, there is so much creativity that can be put into loan terms that 
you really need to work with an advisor who understands all of the programs, all of the variables, and it's a completely custom product. A lot of people have this notion that agency is a commodity. It's the absolute opposite of a commodity. Agency is, for those uninformed, is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, multifamily financing, and that's available on most large multifamily loans in the country get done through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And a lot of people believe that there's just sort of a, a rate sheet four different products that they go off of. But each one of those products can be customized in a way where you trade some prepay flexibility for some rate increase, you trade some IO, you determine whether or not there's some affordability in the project based on the existing rents that are in place, whether you can make some green improvements to the project, some minor like energy efficiency improvements will, in, will impact the rate significantly. In certain cases, you add prepay inflexibility into your loan and get significant rate savings. So all kinds of different levers you can pull and push. And knowing what to ask for is, I think, the key differentiator. Where we've had a lot of success is our firm is a $9 billion in agency in the last 12 months. And that being the case, we're fully informed as to what is available. And every day we're learning new things and pushing the envelope a little bit and coming up with creative ideas. So I would say those are the two takeaways of, of products that I found to be super competitive and changing on a daily basis. Well, Morris, it's been great speaking uh, with you and having you with us today and having you share your knowledge with all of us. It's been a pleasure, Josh, and uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. Our pleasure. Tune into the Brownstoner podcast at brownstoner.com. Thanks so much.